Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. Hey there, so don't forget, this is actually part two of the Malcolm McNabb interview. Uh, It was a well over two hour interview that I broke into two episodes. And if you haven't listened to that first one yet, uh, it's not a a prerequisite, as Elma Fudd would say. uh, But you might like to listen to that one before you get to this one. So anyways, if you have listened to that one, on with uh, the continuation, the remainder, the uh, rest of Malcolm McNabb. I can't thank you enough for the time and uh, stories you shared. This and, and, is it? Well, no. <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be. Not well, at all. Know. Not did, at all. Did you have any questions? Any more questions of some kind? That's Are you I kidding? I mean, how much? Uh, well, I've only talked about a couple pieces that I did. Yeah, right. But nothing right. about life in the studios or something like that. That's main, mainly what yeah. I did. And I'm trying to actually live that down a little bit. I'm a studio yeah. hack. I mean, a guy that went around yeah. to different sessions and, <laughs> and tried to get to the next one yeah. as quick as possible and... Well, I'm I'm going to say this. I think for a lot of people that would that would argue with that, um, those tracks, whether or not they knew it was you, have inspired a lot of players, and I I might even say more than trumpet players. I mean, just the the energy, the musicianship, and that have inspired a lot of players. So thank you for all that you've contributed that way. I'm and, always surprised to hear that, though. You know, I mean, I, it sort of knocked me out. I used to go to Dublin to you know, and they said the same thing. You know, they, yeah, they said, but know, it's true. Everyone here at this table has been That's listening true. to you all these years, and they were sort of following that sound, and it says, I'm, I, I can't even understand mm-hmm. that, but I, it's just this, what I've done all this time. Well, it's, it's the same thing people say to Doc, and it's the same yeah. thing people, you know, even Marcus Prentip at his concert last night played beautifully, and I'm thinking, you know, the contributions he's making, the contributions that every artist is making, and we we all do it in our own different ways, but that doesn't lessen the significance, uh, I think, of what you've done. And, uh, well, yeah. you know, and, and I think a lot of people enjoy hearing these stories, too, you know, and there was nothing, you didn't throw anybody under the bus, uh, but if so. you want to keep going, we can, I'll help you turn the, turn the key and we can, we can run well, somebody I mean, over. I but. can keep going, but I just want to make sure if this, if you later I can hear this or you can, you can listen to it if there's something that you, you probably Oh, there's, there's not been anything that's, oh, that's been, I don't worry about but, it uh, I actually, I do, I do want to wrap up because, um, 
Yeah. I don't want to give everything away in one time. And what this will do is it'll give me permission to uh, maybe catch it at ITG next year. I do want to ask you one more question. Yes. I see you at ITG conferences. What brings you here? Uh, well, in this case, it was an airplane. Oh, and okay, okay, okay. All right. It's it's the, uh, the uh, withdrawal I'm going through mm. with music and people. At least I want to be with my colleagues. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I want to be, because there's no jobs anymore for me. I mean, yeah. no one calls me for anything. So I like to be here. This is my kind of people who, you know, they have yeah. this, they have the empathy and they're, they're, you know, and a lot of people who come who are not trumpet players, they listen to something, they go, oh, that, that wasn't good or that's, you know, hear that clamor. Or no, trumpet players know. People who play the quality of torture, they know. And that's why Gary was such a great producer. If you think about it, you can't buy empathy like that. A guy that knows what it feels like when he's pushing me on the ropes for like 14 hours, you know, because, mm. you know, like we, and he would do it like, uh, if I talk about Gary, you know, I mean, I'm this is with love. His birthday's tomorrow. Sergey's going to call him too. I think. Happy Maybe birthday, today. Gary! It yeah. might be today. Is today the thirteenth? Today what? is the what is today? This is the twelfth. Twelfth of okay. uh, July. I think it's yeah. tomorrow. It's thirteenth. I okay. think thirteenth, fourth. Yeah, it's Gary's birthday, so yeah, we'll see. But I, I don't know. It's uh, the empathy. You know, he knows what it feels like. He knows what it feels like to go that far and have to do it. But his technique is like, okay, we've done 15 takes of this, Gary. We have this yet? <sighs> I don't know if you're going to be happy with it. That's all he had to say, you know. Oh, okay, well, <laughs> you mean we have to do another one? Yeah, you want to take a rest? No, let's do it, you know. Well, we had some arguments, too, some differences. He mm-hmm. left in a half a couple times, you know. But... This guy is a hard worker. He's brilliant. He's, you know, and I couldn't have ever done this without him, really. And, uh, you know, I mean, he he's he can really produce anyone. Well, there's got to be a really high level of trust. Had to be. Both yes. ways. Sure. To do a project like this. Absolutely. And not just trust, but respect, yeah. which I think had probably built been built in the studio for a long time. all of those years. Well, right? we've known each other for a long, long yeah. time. Yeah. So there's a friendship. There's a, So, Absolutely. you know, if he leaves in a huff, it's like... Uh, Oh, it's okay. You know, a little marital spat, right, as it were. <laughs> exactly. No, they all yeah. worked out. I mean, yeah. things happen, and it's, we're really tired because doing a lot of it, and for hours and hours, it can get testy at yeah. this point. I mean, I'm on the ropes all the time. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing anything that's as simple like a walk or anything like that. It's like yeah, a, yeah. Uh, I'm running the marathon on this yeah. thing, you know. It's so hard. There was a concert the, the other night, and I don't know that I want to necessarily point out, uh, a guy playing lead trumpet on MacArthur Park. Just laying it out there, starting to fade toward the end of the tune. You can tell he's putting everything into it. But uh, you could feel the energy in the room. Everybody was like, got your back. You know, we've all been there. Oh, sure. And, you know, and I'm thinking everybody was just like, so what, man? You know, and he sounded absolutely spectacular. He might have missed a couple of notes. So what? You know, the rest of the tune was was just yeah. electric. You know, so it's like I, mean, I did that at the Royal Academy in London, actually. With a, uh, it was a big band. We're talking about Andy Greenwood. Do you know who Andy? No, Greenwood? no. Complete shaved head cat in London loves mm. loves the uh, Indian food as hot as you can get it. He's a, he's a crazy guy. Unbelievably accurate on this MacArthur Park man. He was mm. a soloist, and I was with Derek Watkins. Oh, I wanted to get into that again. Fisher, or I can't remember his name, an old guy older than him, 76 mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. He goes, this is about 10 years ago. 
it was nice. They treated me good. I, I was we had the where the conductors stay at the Royal Academy right there, you mm-hmm. know, and we had a, we had a, me and my wife stay there, and it was just a daunting task though because here was all the top UK brass players in one place. <laughs> I mean, they were all there, you know, and I here I did I I commissioned Bruce Broughton for this uh, five minute unaccompanied piece, which I did. Nothing else. Had to go out on stage all by myself and play this piece by myself. It was, that was really hard, you know. But also, we had to play uh, some of the heroes, and I had to do Tim oh my solo gosh. on that with a big brass group. <laughs> and we, we, the big band, who I was sharing the fourth part with, Phil Cobb, <laughs> London Symphony, right. you know, first trumpet. Right. But he was 20, 22 or twenty three when he got the job. Mm-hmm. He's a card, though. I mean, he looks younger. He looks like mm-hmm. a kid. Who's this kid? You know. Mm-hmm. Very clever, and we had fun. Mm-hmm. We're, we're hanging together. We had the same dressing room. We actually split a bit on the stage, and we were getting carried away talking. Oops. And we were talking about uh, some guys in the LSO. You know, that's about 200 musicians. Sometimes uh, some are up at a church, some are recording, mm-hmm. some are mm-hmm. at the Barbican Center. So it's all, uh, it's a crew of, it's a pool of musicians. Mm-hmm. So they're all over the place. And it doesn't matter too much what they get paid. It's about the same. You know, mm-hmm. if it's a movie call, they don't get residuals like we do. It's mm-hmm. just a little different you know. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, Derek, Derek Watkins had just had his chest open up. I, I don't think he lived maybe two, mm. two more years after That's that. That's so tragic. He was a great, got a great player, incredible. You know, and a lot of people know him, of course, through the James Bond uh, oh, yeah. tracks. Yeah. So but, things, uh, yeah. you know, and I don't know the years of these, but there are videos of him playing MacArthur Park and uh, We've yeah. Only Just Begun. And, and uh, I mean, what a sound. He played his butt off that what night. What a sound. But, but, but Andy Greenwood was the one that was nailing the main art part. You know yeah. And, well, I mean? uh, he got my autograph, like, right away. I'm thinking, mm, wait, <laughs> not me. You don't want me. I'm not, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, they, they were all nice. They were all nice. But, you know, it's the English. They a little bit step back. You know. Mm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but some old friends that I'd met before, like, I'm trying to remember the guy, the jazz guy that would, was at the New York Brass Conference with us. But anyway, it's it's a... Actually, Morris Murphy, is, it was the same thing. That same church they had Watson. And I wasn't at the actual memorial service in the church. Same place uh, Morris Murphy's uh, service was. Mm-hmm. You know, on Marlborough mm-hmm. Road, they call it. You know. mm-hmm. And uh, Did you know him? I met him one time. I tried, they came to the Pasadena Civic Auditorium, and they were doing Mahler 5. Mm-hmm. And so I went to the concert, and um, I was in a line trying to get up to him. I never Actually, in London, I called his house. I talked to his wife. I think he's up at the Barbican. He wasn't. He was someplace else. She didn't know for sure. Went up to the Barbican. It was the BBC. <laughs> My wife and I walked through the stage door and up we were, looked through this thing. We were looking, overlooking the orchestra there. Mm-hmm. It was the BBC. I'm thinking, which one's Morris? I, I don't know. But um, we got in there and we listened to it. It was the BBC. And, and the funny, so we better get out of here. That's the BBC. We, now we're going by right outside the door of the, the stage. It's a musician's area. That's a big bar set up. There's three bartenders and a bunch of glasses. I'm thinking, what's this, a reception? No, orchestra break. <laughs> That's what they do there. I'm not kidding. Oh, they drink. Oh, oh my, my gosh. God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing. I think John, when he went to the bus and pops, the same thing happened with Feeler. He had a bar backstage. <laughs> and he was always a little tipsy, but John didn't like that. I think he closed it down, actually. Mm. There were some things at first that when mm. he walked out. They walked out, I think. Mm. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and it, that's sort of found a working relationship, I guess. Yeah. But um, anyway, I hope I didn't blurb something out that I should Oh, heavens no. Not even, not even. If you'd like to, though, I'd, I'd, I'd welcome that. Let me see. So, that guy, you know, oh, yeah. no. <laughs> So, you know, uh, it's been a lot of fun doing these interviews, and yeah. most of them 
We never get around to talking equipment, which we've made it an hour and 20 minutes, and we haven't talked equipment. Equipment? Yeah, so in, in two seconds, tell me what mouthpiece you play. <laughs> I play one that was in a recovered insurance form. Someone told me about there's a Bach trumpet down there with a mouthpiece in the case. You want it, 175 bucks is a recovered item from our insurance thing, and that's the mouthpiece I still play. It's just... You know, and I had the Reeves shanks on. I just left it where it was on the one I had. No kidding. I still play. The mouthpiece doesn't mean very much. I was uh, poor Bob Reeves, and I, I really. Last at San Antonio, I was at the bar, pretty much holding court. Someone asked me about mouthpiece. I said, mouthpiece don't mean anything. You know, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean anything. You know, and I'm I'm sure about that. And he was looking right at me, and he had his whole crew sitting on the next table there. I said, "Sorry, Bob. Long story. <laughs> I'll tell you about it." Well, it's actually, you know. I used to go to this, my friend Ralph Happy was a metallurgist at JPL, Space Materials, and he was a trumpet player. He went to Eastman. And he loved to have guys up and he would just play with trumpets and he had lathes and stuff and he had little modifications he did to trumpets himself right in his house. He was a metallurgist. And so uh, he said, bring your mouthpieces. Oh, sure, I always bring my mouthpiece. How would I play without a mouthpiece? Well, he'd bring any mouthpieces you got. So I, there's this table and a chair and he says, no, you be first. You sit down, blindfold. Mm-hmm. Holding a trumpet, one is dropped into your uh, lead pipe. Mm-hmm. What do you think? So let me tell you this. There was a few guys up there. You know, None of them could pick out their own mouthpiece, including me. <laughs> you couldn't because all you hear is this, you feel this rim here. You have a chance to look at the number or get any pre, right. uh, Preconceived. ideas about it. Yep. Yeah. And so this is a feel you don't really see because you're not touching the bottom usually unless you're on Cat Anderson's mouthpiece or something. <laughs> you know, But... Uh, no one could pick out their own. Plus, and when they'd say, oh, you know, this feels too big, too small. And it was always the opposite. You couldn't even guess it, you no know. Kidding. And they didn't. No one could pick. Now, I said, if no one can pick out their own mouthpiece in a pile of mouthpieces, what does it all mean? Why chase your tail around with mouthpieces? Does it really make that much difference? This is the important thing. This is our sound. When you're, you create your sound here and you don't hurt yourself here, mm-hmm. You're really blowing this vibration into a cup, which is amplified in a trumpet. That's all. That's the only purpose of it. Mm-hmm. So what's the big deal? I spent a lot of time as a younger AI going around. Uh, I think that's what happened to a lot of people. They got on, you know, there's got to be something better out there. If it's equipment, that's probably a thing you'd be careful about. Mm-hmm. There's the honeymoon. You see what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you've ever been in court with a with a woman, anyway, just <laughs> I just want to go there. But we just think uh, um, uh, it's... Yeah, I mean... Do you feel that way about trumpets? Um, I don't know. I collected a lot of trumpets. I, I sold a lot of them. A whole bunch of that just sort of died in the dust. Uh, bad valves and everything. I sold like 19 of them out of my basement. And it was $18,000 I got for them. Mm-hmm. The guy put them on a website and said, "This Malcolm used this horn on this movie. And I mm-hmm. Sold all those horns and took them. And it took a lot of actually New York Bach mouthpieces that I had, actually mm-hmm. ones. <laughs> New York ones, you know. Wow. And, and um, anyway... I, Vacchiano would have loved those, I'm sure. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah, he took them. We sold them all, and uh, and then so um, I was uh, at Vince Rose's house, and it was that's a good friend of mine, the greatest horn player in the world. Mm-hmm. Taught taught everyone every place I've been in the world. Do you know Vince Rosa? Every horn player would come up to me. You know? Yeah, of course. He's 96 now, and mm-hmm. he's living uh, just staying in his house in Flint Ridge on the top of a hill there, and uh, he's doing really great, you know. But uh, I think it was uh, Gerhard Meinl from mm-hmm. BNS, mm-hmm. contacted him, and it's, they have the Hoyer horn, also, which is a German make. And he and um, the guy from Cleveland, um, the horn player from Cleveland, Bloom. 
is it Mike Bloom, something like that? Yeah, Myron I know that Bloom. name. Myron Bloom. Yes, yes. Call him Mike Bloom. Two 80-year-old guys. They worked on these horns, the Hoyer horn. Um, and they not only them, but they designed the horn is what they wanted. The Con AD was the thing that they were all playing, but they decided Vincent and uh, Mike put these things together and uh, developed this Hoyer horn. And every after the NAMM show, for five years in a row, these Germans would come up to Vince's house, and there'd be 40 or 50 horn players walking around by the pool and over the hillside there, playing these, trying their horns, and mm-hmm. they got feedback from every one of them mm-hmm. for like five years. All this, and they'd go back to Mark Jakirshen, and they'd do their thing, and they'd come back and improve whatever. And uh, it's like, okay, this, so the, the guys are staying in the Marriott downtown LA, and that's a long ways from where we're just, can you give them a drop there? So I dropped them down in my SUV and mm-hmm. a couple times, you know, and, and I knew them, uh, Gerhard and Maximilian and all these German mm-hmm. cats or Bavarian cats, you know. Um, you know, so they got through with this horn, and after they listened to every feedback and they developed this horn that was everyone was happy with, and he told Vince, now what about the trumpet? We're thinking about out New Yorking the New York Bach. <laughs> he said, do you know any trumpet players? He says, what about Malcolm? The driver? <laughs> <laughs> I knew this was going to happen eventually, you know. <laughs> the driver plays the trumpet? <laughs> now you're telling me? What? <laughs> well, yeah, he does. So that's when they were on me. And then, then I got end up in, over in mm-hmm. Germany and Bavaria, south of Munich there, mm-hmm. working on trumpets. I, I, I did my my exquisite... Well, he, they, they started naming them exquisite, put on the lead pipe. Mm-hmm. B-flat, which is modeled right after my my New York Bach medium, mm-hmm. made in about 1940. Uh, and then um, my C-trumpet was a Bach medium-large, and they, they took that. A few things I didn't like about tightness, they fixed that. They made the, uh, the C-trumpet, the exquisite C. And mm-hmm. then the E-flat was probably the unsuccessful one so far because, you know, maybe you need one more step because it was too big at the, at the mm-hmm. front. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I still prefer my Schilke E3L. That's what I've played for a long time. Actually, I started that in 1993 when we mm-hmm. did Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up playing it more than 50% of the time, E-flat. It's easy. You know. Oh, not the E-flat, the, the E3L. E3L. The E-flat. Well, it's the three-valve, not the four-valve. Oh, sorry. E3L. I was thinking e, E-trumpet, not... Uh, oh, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, okay. it's an E-flat trumpet. They call it the E-3L. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it's amazing how that works, how, how much easier that makes, mm-hmm. the, the brilliance and the quicker response. Mm-hmm. So I just started using that a lot of the time. Yeah. And all those went on tape really well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we had four trumpets in unison. All that. Yeah, that was big. And then we did Jurassic 2. And then we Lost World, I think it was. Then we did three. With Don Davis did John's music we did. Then I did Jurassic World, which was a 110-piece orchestra. This was Michael Giacchino more recently. Yeah. And... Bigger dinosaurs, bigger lizards. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Everybody still gets eaten at the end. You yeah, know, but so the, it's first, a... the first one, you, you only actually see 15 minutes in the first Jurassic Park of dinosaur footage. Only 15 minutes out of the whole movie, believe it or not. The rest yeah. of the time was Spielberg's trick, like in Jaws, you know. Yeah. Well, it was you, effective. You didn't need anything else. You know, once you saw it once. You <laughs> right, know, you, right. But here's what happened. The kids that study this, this uh, you know, the dinosaur stuff, they get fascinated with it. All these breeds they're thinking about, and they get a demand to have more dinosaurs. They did, you know. They want what about this one? What about this one? Right. So this thing has tons of dinosaurs in it, mm-hmm. and a hundred ten piece orchestra to back it up. Mm-hmm. Big mm-hmm. lizards, you know. Mm-hmm. So and then uh, they've done one since then. After I got canned, actually, I was part of the whole orchestra that got canned. The orchestrator. That's okay. It just that's the way it yeah. is. If they, you know, I thought make Michael Giacchino sort of an heir apparent now. Uh, he does these big orchestral scores, mm-hmm. and he's pretty good at it. But I was in there. I did probably a lot of Pixar pictures with him too. Mm-hmm. I did like. 
I probably did six or seven scores with him, and um, and then we all got fired, you know. But I, I Jan Lass, John Lasseter, Pixar. That's my yeah. that's a great dear friend of mine. Yeah. I did uh, Toy Story '94. I did Toy Story Two. I did uh, Monsters Incorporated. I did Monsters University. I did Bugs Life. I did all those. Mm-hmm. On Monsters University, uh, John Lasseter always came back to hang with the brass section. He loved mm-hmm. the trumpets. We got so many pictures of him holding the trumpet with mm-hmm. our section. Mm-hmm. With his Aloha shirts like this. He had right. one for every day of the year, you know. <laughs> so before you were, we headed up here uh, to start this interview, you were telling a story about, uh, I guess, a conductor who was asking you for a different horn. Was that was this one of the same people you were Margaret talking Hamish? about? Oh, Ham- okay, I didn't catch yeah, the beginning of that. Yeah, it was Jack Hayes of the orchestra. He said, you know, he's gonna, you're going to be on this Marvin Hamlet thing, and I'm orchestrating it. And he's going to want some Baroque type stuff, you know. Can you bring your D trumpet, bring your piccolo, make sure you have that stuff because he's got a certain thing on it. Marvin is like, I think he did the Sting, and then after that, this was the next thing he did. But he had the best orchestrator in the world. It was also a trumpet player. He liked me a lot too, so he wrote things for me that you know this guy wasn't even aware of. <laughs> so he wanted to, you know, and he's very mm-hmm. nervous. He was very uptight, uh, Marvin. He got up on the podium, and I think really not comfortable with that. Great songwriter and everything, mm-hmm. but. In, in the middle of it, he, he says, well, you have your D trumpet? Yeah. So let's try it. Let's hear it on trumpet. So I quick, he's ready to go, you know, I pick the horn up and get ready, you know. And then, yeah, a couple of notes. And, no, let's hear the piccolo. Put it down. And he's conducting already. First clam, first clam I got. He turns around to the booth. He says, can't you get me someone that can play? I, at that point, I said, I will never work for you. Again. You know, and sorry. Um, and I didn't. Mm-hmm. I never did. But I'll tell you, that the, uh, the, when they went to uh, the uh, Streisand thing in Vegas, when they did the big deal, it was all it was Chuck, Gary, and Jerry Hay, and Lou Sol- Crazy Lou. Crazy <laughs> Lou Soloff came out, and he was playing lead with it at the end, like mm-hmm. three horns on his lap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, could, he never could decide what he wanted to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so uh, they did the Streisand thing. First thing did... Um, Gary did when he realized they're doing this big show in Vegas, and you know it was it was big video and everything. Um, he called Bach. He said, "Hey, we all need new horns here. We're doing this high-profile thing." And he said, "Well, do you think there's a chance we could meet in Streisand?" "Sure, we'll get pictures of it." No, they never got anything like that. <laughs> Gary got four new Bach trumpets for all matched for the for the band, and four flugels mm-hmm. and cases. And he nice. kept going back. Can you? Can we get cases too? You know, he pushed it so far. Mm-hmm, I can't mm-hmm, believe it. So mm-hmm. that was the, one of the real chucklers about mm-hmm. that one. You know, but uh, Lou, you know, they were putting him on everything because all these guys only they play one trumpet. That's all they need. But <laughs> yeah. But he's he's a great player. But you know, he was a little quirky. Mm-hmm. A little bit quirky. He was a fan of Sergey. Sergey came to do a, oh, yeah. a recital back in uh, 2011 in Muncie, Indiana. Believe it or not, Lou flew in from New York. Sure. To come into that. And, you know, it was kind of, uh, people were like, Lou, that's Lou Soloff. That's, you know, he kind of walked in. You know, maybe, I don't even know if he walked. I think he may have just floated <laughs> down to where he was going to sit, yeah. you know. But, I mean, there was this reverence, this respect. People knew who he was. And, uh, you know, of course, yeah, absolutely fantastic player. No, he was great with the uh, blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, about that time, some of those guys were working in the Catskills with me in that band, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, that high B he played was right up on the mic. <laughs> you know, but that was mm-hmm. big popular. That was uh, yeah. a big deal. That, yeah. that spinning wheel. You know, yeah. Was, uh, yeah. But he was great, and he was crazy because he called a lot of times. And when me and Gary were working in the studio, he called, and we played the entire first movement for him over the phone. It's 19 minutes. 
So he listened to the whole thing. He said, wow. that's crazy. Wow, wow. <laughs> what are you doing there? Yeah. yeah so anyway, mm-hmm. he wanted to hear it. Mm-hmm. But the thing mm-hmm. is, Bobby Shue had been to the dentist in Glendale. He used to live in, our, in, our, in California. And he said, hey, he called. He says, well, you guys working over at Malcolm Studio? I just want to come by and check it out. So he came by. And uh, he came in, and we played played the Tchaikovsky mm-hmm. in, in progress. He had real tears. He cried. Wow. And he said, I'm going to blurb this out to everybody. You know, and it went on his email list. And also Rob Rudd McGregor and a few other people that, who heard parts of it said, heads up, Malcolm's got this thing coming out. You're going you're gonna to awesome. be interested <laughs> in hearing it. You know? yeah. So that, it happened that way. And you know, so I had great support. I mean, you know, the guy that built the studio was a trumpet player that showed me how to build it. The producer's a trumpet mm-hmm. player. Everyone rallied around me to help me, you know. And that's typical. That's of, of what we do, you know. Yeah. And it's uh, in it's sort of in the spirit of like what the old guys in Hollywood did, Manny Klein and Yuan. He's a survivor, but he and Yuan, they would cover jobs of a guy that got in mm-hmm. trouble like that and send that check to his family because mm-hmm. they needed it. It was, mm-hmm. It's a bad scene, you know, because this is all failing on him. And you know he's got to support his family still, so they're yeah. they're doing the nice the collegial thing, yeah, on uh, being there for him, yeah. And th- we still do. Yeah. Very few are doing that. So I look at it that way that we all we all have to put our spirits together and and be there for each other. Yeah, it's it's really more important yeah. than that. But um, no, I, I just had some great times with the people and the people I met and worked for, like Don Ellis. Yeah, he died so early too, and he you know he stopped playing trumpet and then he played valve trombone. I was in a ragtime band with him, actually. And then he was doing night gallery episodes at, at Universal as a composer. It was fun. Wow. Do you remember your first studio gig? Um, yeah. One, well, I can remember the first feature thing where I went to MGM and sat on a, a Jerry Goldsmith. 1971 was the Wild Rovers. Mm-hmm. It was a Western. And Graham Young was in the hot seat. And, and um, I can't remember who else was there, but I was sitting probably on third trumpet. Watching it all from a safe distance, you know, and Graham was really good. He was playing trumpet, he was playing flugel, he was all kind of, but it was big, big sky music like Western stuff. Sure. And, um, it was great. So I'm thinking, oh, I'm glad I at least can check that out from a distance here, mm-hmm. you know. I never thought I would end up in that chair, mm-hmm. but of course I did. You know? yeah. um, You sort of come from the outside and you, you don't know it's a different pacing and that's what really catches up with people more than anything. Because mm-hmm. you don't really know what you're going to play. Orchestral guy comes in there; they know a year ahead of time, sure. and they they prepare for everything. And like Tom Stevens, rest his soul. Same thing. Whenever he'd come to the studios, um, he would be very worried about it sometimes because he hadn't seen the music. Right. Imagine that the guy played all this yeah, invention, right. <laughs> right. Uh, new music. It was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. But um, you're totally in control if you you're at a symphony. You know exactly what's coming up, and you know that music cold. That you know, you know exactly yeah. what you're going to do, but yeah. th- and then all of a sudden you're doing something. He did plenty of stuff. One thing we did the Vivaldi to, to get together in the um, movie about Watergate, Dustin Hoffman, Redford. You know, oh, Robert Redford. They were both in sure. it. Yeah, and remember the scene where they're in the apartment. There's the apartment's bugged because of this Watergate thing going on, and they're trying to get to the bottom. They played uh, the two newspaper guys, and so they go into the apartment and they put on a record right away. You know, because some it's bugged, you know. Right. And it's us playing. <laughs> and so we have that one. And actually, I have one of Bob Duvall and Yuan Racy that's incredible. I mm-hmm. don't even know what film it's from, but the, some mm-hmm. of the family gave it to mm-hmm. me. Um, so, you know, there was all kinds of There's some people I got to work with. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just uh, a blessing. I mean, you work with all your heroes, the people you knew about. You know? Right. And, right. uh 
you know, you th the pacing is not for everybody. That's just it. You can't yeah. stay warmed up sometimes, and sometimes you can't play for all day long, and then all of a sudden, you know. Right. And, or maybe you're sitting there with very little in the book, and you, you're looking through the book, there's nothing there. And then all of a sudden, some wedding comes in and puts it there. I remember one time we got, came back after lunch for something. It might have been a cartoon. Uh, Flight of the Bumblebee was, was there for me and Warren. Mm -hmm. But Warren, we had, had lunch. We were at Paramount, so we walked down to this uh, sort of deli. And, and I don't know, he, he had bad stomach. Something happened. He mm -hmm. had to run to the bathroom. Oh, no. And it wasn't <laughs> the music, I hope. But, so yeah. Just when they pull this one up, and I'm seeing, I just get the piece out of sent It's Flight of the Bumblebee, and now he's off. He's going through the door, <laughs> running to the can. Bad you know? stomach. No, yeah, no, exactly. no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. And, other, you know, there were funny things that happened also. Uh, Bobby... Bobby Rosengarten, he had a son that actually played trumpet, too. He was mm -hmm. up in San Francisco, but he was visiting the date. A lot of New York musicians that knew him were there. So he came in, do you mind if he uh, just sits there in the end with you? No problem. No, no. So it was that same sort of thing. We went over eight, and beer and everything mm -hmm. else, you know. <laughs> and um, something we had to play, I can't remember what it was. It wasn't that difficult, but it was we had to get on, get on it, you know. Uh, and then I had to go to the bathroom. So I handed this guy the phone. I mean the phone. I handed my, my trumpet, and I ran for the door. I said, take yeah. over. This guy that just came in the studio, he's not warmed up, doesn't have his horn at all. <laughs> he had to play the take. And? Yeah, that's good. It's like put him to the fire. I wasn't yeah. there. I was at the bathroom. Yeah. I did well. I, yeah. don't, know did, I don't know if he did well, but, <laughs> oh. but it, it, it was thing that had to be. Let's yeah. put it that way. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to remember his name. What was it? Neil. Neil Rosengarten. Mm -hmm. That day, it was a little surprise for him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bobby Rosengarten was a friend of all these other guys, so that was his son, and can he, you know. Welcome to the middle of the episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you with the support of Messina Covers. They offer some standard and custom designs of trumpet bags, mouthpiece pouches, and more, and their customer service is excellent. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And now, back to the interview. Tony Plug uh, told a story about uh, how he came in and sat down on sixth trumpet. I forget what the score was he was talking about, thinking it was going to be a safe, uh, a safe place. And he said know. he turned the page, and all of a sudden, you know, it was featuring him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was like, woof. Well, I'm sure he yeah. did great. He's yeah. a great player and yeah. great writer, too. Uh, we were actually in the San Francisco Ballet Tour way back in 1969. My ex-wife was there, too. Um, and... Uh, it was just a short tour. Like we went up to Seattle and Vancouver mm -hmm. with this with this San Francisco ballet, yeah. And he was auditioning for things. I remember he came back to Vancouver. He'd been off to audition and everything. But that's when I first knew him. You know, and he was going to UCLA actually with my wife. He just graduated from UCLA. Mm -hmm. That's going back. Yeah. Yeah. But Tony, he's been in uh, Freiburg for a long, long yeah. time. I, I think he lost that job because of the EU. They were buying, trying to retire people early so they could buy into the European Union. Mm -hmm. You know. But also in that in that uh, school is Gary Barone, is the jazz teacher, yeah. and I was on the road with him with, with Zappa. Mm -hmm. Oh boy, Gary! I, I maybe I shouldn't tell this one, but he, his brother Mike Mike Barone also is you know, he writes great charts. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. like matter of fact, tonight show da, 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 that's his chart. He wrote that. Oh, absolutely. Well, <laughs> it, that's a lot. I mean, over the years, I remember before John, uh, the New York guys came out, Johnny Adina was there. I remember the night that after he died, and that was awful. Uh, they did a memorial. His picture was up at the end of the Tonight Show. They did a memorial. Joanna's his third wife is a big good friend of, of mm -hmm. me and Ilico's. Great, great lady. But um, 
I, I, I used to go over to NBC just to be with the, the shading, color, color shading, because I'm in the video and stuff. I was running a three-camera studio, so mm -hmm. this guy shades the cameras, you know, and they parade. When they say, ready, you hear the director saying, ready to take two. You're preparing two. You're shading it to match all the other cameras. These mm -hmm. old NBC orthicon tubes. They're not, the solid state came in and they didn't have to, they don't drift at all. Once you've set up the cameras, they all stay the same. Mm -hmm. But watching this guy with his joysticks during the taping of the show, you know, talking to me and actually playing it like a piano, just looking at the monitors. And he was getting ready to retire, but it was the taping of the night show and I was up in the, yeah. in the video yeah. booth, you know. And uh, that's when I, I walked it back down. I'm going down the stairs. Here's Ed and, and Johnny coming up looking, who the hell are you? They don't want to see anyone they don't know. Right. That's for sure there. Yeah. But it was in the halls at NBC and... It's okay. Uh, yeah, it was a, and then the, all the other guys joined Snooky, uh, and Maury Harris was the oldest guy. He was fourth trumpet. Mm -hmm. I think I, I don't know if Doc would remember that he was trying to sell the Bell Confos to him. You know, the Bell Confos, mm -hmm. and they all tried them. They didn't really like them. You yeah. know, and um, and he said, "Are you sure you, you guys aren't interested in this horn?" Huh? They're sort of pissed off. And Maury, the fourth trumpet player, and the oldest guy, he says. Is it possible to lease them? And that really pissed them off. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that was the Ackwright horn. As a matter of fact, he, I went to his house, and he gave me two of those, and he kept one. He says, I got three of them. I'll keep one for the show and, and try this horn. Well, mm -hmm. it wasn't successful for me. I mean, I actually cut my hand. on it. You know, I'm, I'm oiling the valves, and all of a sudden the horn's turning oh. red. Yeah. What happened? Cut my finger open mm -hmm. on, the, on the burrs on the valve mm -hmm. cap. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, uh, then I brought it back to Doc, Doc and I see. He says, "How was it? How the horn worked?" Well, I did a mariachi commercial, a jingle on it, and it was just fine for that. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I can use it for anything else. Yeah. Johnny would tell me, you know, that, you know, sometime, a couple times, his his mother came in from Oregon, mm -hmm. and someone got her at the airport, brought her to the they're in the rehearsal of the Tonight Show, and he's all like playing duets with the trumpet section. Sometimes he's got a horn mm -hmm. in his mouth. They're spill, three of them are spelling off on it, the second part. Mm -hmm. And he just keeps turning pages and playing it, you know. Mm -hmm. And he, mother comes in, this little motion with a horn. Mm -hmm. John says, "God, it was, that's all he got for his mother." She comes in from the airport. He hasn't even seen her in a while. You go stop for a second and mm -hmm. go hug her. He's on his way over to talk to to Doc's mother. Mm -hmm. He's over there. He's just about there to say, "Oh, Mr. Seven, how are you doing?" He says, "I like the first one first. I like the first one the best." He was trying different horns and lead pipes. Uh, <laughs> exactly. This is the scenario yeah. for the whole life, I'm sure. <laughs> it's all about trumpets with the mother, too. Yeah. You know? yeah. I like that, that first one, too. She's used to that. I'm sure yeah. she heard him playing a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's practicing. And he's a specimen, i got to tell you. When I went to fill those horns, the maids opened the door, and there's uh, Rottweilers and Dobermans cruising around in the entry there, and, and you know, Anya, you know. It must have been five dogs. And mm. he comes up sweating from head to toe from the basement. Whew, sweat man. He works out, rides bicycles, mm -hmm. runs. Look at look at 92, how he looks. Three days a week still He's, at the yeah, gym. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible shit. Of course, sort of like me. But, um, yeah, that's that's no dedication. Comment. But he never <laughs> <laughs> he, he never uh, uh, sat still. Yeah. Know, running around the hills, the Hollywood Hills, you know. Yeah. And uh, Stevens knew him because he lived near him. He set it up. He says, Doc's got Tons of New York rocks up there, because every place he'd go, he'd go to hawk shops when he had time off, and he'd, mm. he'd get them, he'd buy them, <laughs> sock them away, you know. Yeah. And uh, he's got it because I was looking to get a New York rock before I had the six of them I have now, <laughs> um, and so uh, the time came, and I made arrangements with the doctor to come up and 
I've been thinking about this. You know, why do you want an old horn? You can have a new one. That was it. Mm. I left with two of those new horns. And <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah, but he never stayed on that horn. I don't think he played that that long, that act yeah. right, the uh, bel canto. Yeah. He played Getson. I don't know if he, what he plays now, do you know? Well, he's a, he's a Shires artist. Shires, there yeah. you go. Yeah. See, I can't keep, there's so many, there didn't used to be this big, so I had four or five brands of trumpets in those days. Yeah. Did you ever sit in with that, the, with uh, Doc's band? No. By any chance? Oh, no. No? No. I wouldn't have been in that category. Chuck Finley took over after John died, and you know, people like that. There was a lot of great players, uh, Frank Zabo, and uh, great, great big band players. Around. I, I wasn't in that bag at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could hang on for dear life. If I was on something and I was the only guy there, I was I was doing it sometimes. Yeah. But I, I listened to everyone. You know, I tried to learn from everybody. It was a killer band. It didn't seem to matter who was in there. Yeah. But uh, Snooky, uh, when <laughs> when he was playing, was just, oh, what a treat to listen to. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I love that he would feature, uh, you know, the guys in the band. I mean, Doc, yeah. you know, of course, would play a lot of the, that stuff, but that's, it was... That's right, yeah. Uh, he told a story about how... Uh, I guess Tommy was Tommy Newsom was originally a tenor player, but Doc hired him to play alto, and he said, I'm, "I'm, you know, I'm a tenor player." He goes, "Well, if you want to be in my band, you're going to be an alto." So, you know, and look at the career he had with uh, with Doc's band. Yeah, Biff there. Bambridge, Bambridge uh, Jr. That, that he was in the band too, the saxophone player. Mm -hmm. His father was a tuba player from St. Louis Symphony, and actually, yeah. I worked with him, played tuba and bass, doubled in studios. Yeah. You're here at ITG. Do do you take in sessions or players, or you just you, do you like the hang? Yeah, with, with I, people. I like to hang. Yeah, I mean, I'm I've been found at the bar holding court and, mm -hmm. and tossing them back. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. well, it's sort of nice. You know, uh, I don't have any duties, no no responsibilities, mm -hmm. just to come and enjoy the colleagues and, and listen to the great players and where they're doing. I mean, I'm you know, it's it's an ongoing thing, and you know, I picked up the it's like a relay race, you know, and then things are getting Better all the time. People are getting better all the time. There's Isn't it crazy? not enough jobs. But yeah. it, I think saying efficiency and being able to play in shops is it's better than it's ever been. Yeah. I mean, but it's got to be a place to do it. Have you ever presented at uh, ITG? You ever done yeah. a session? Yeah, I did. Was that a panel uh, thing? Uh, or no, what, uh... no, no. The last time I did that was in Ohio. No. La well, no, I, I played with my daughter. I played the, the Ray Burkhart wrote the mm. uh, concerto mm -hmm. for us with mm -hmm. orchestra. We did a piano reduction at the last one mm -hmm. at Anaheim. But before that, in um, Ohio, we did the, um, I stood up and did a whole master class, a little bit of about stamp, but also um, movie clips. We, we showed mm -hmm. movie clips. Mm -hmm. I talked about the life in the studio and how mm -hmm. we were, things that happened there. Yeah. And just the funny, funny ones and the more serious ones. And, you know, so we just, they were entertained by that, I guess. Yeah. And I think we did a little bit of, we played something there that I remember the guys were walking around trying to make sure people didn't take pictures of it and get me in trouble, turn me in or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I've done it. And over the years, you know, I guess I did it a few times here and there. But I was only I was at the Santa, the uh, Tempe in 79. I was at the Santa Barbara in 89. That's when Arturo came to the State mm -hmm. Department. And <laughs> uh, and people were trying to talk to him. It was spectacular. I was sitting with the Montreal Symphony guys right in front of the Tycho Brace speakers. It, our heads came off. It was unbelievable. <laughs> but he was such an incredible player, just a, a force. But afterwards, we were talking to him, and one of my friends, Mike Ortega with an A, Ortega, in Spanish, he asked him, when, when are you going to get out of that damn place, you know? Um, what? I love my country. What are you talking about? Go to China. Go live in China. If you, you know, don't tell me where to live. Mm-hmm. 
They're watching KGB equivalent or whatever it is. They're there, you know. Right. They're watching every movie made. But later, you know, because he was planning. And then in London, he dropped, he well, he got off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then later, Turi, his son, and his and his wife, uh, Marinella, they got they got out. And then his parents got out on a fishing boat, and they were injured. I remember that weekend we were at Royce Hall in the UCLA. He's performing, and Andy Garcia was with there with us. And that weekend, his his parents had just gotten out, and one one of his parents, I'm not sure, got injured on this boat. Mm-hmm. But that was it. And this, I'm worried about the sister because she's an intellectual. She's a school teacher, and they, she was the only one left there, so they made it rough on oh, her. Sure. Oh, it's bad. He embarrassed them. Yeah. You know? I don't know if you ever saw Night in Havana. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you saw him sitting in the palace with Fidel Castro and Arturo and, and Dizzy. Dizzy went down to check out all the Afro Cuban bands, you know, and the street bands especially. Mm-hmm. He wanted to see all of them. And then uh, the guy that picked him up at the airport, he didn't know who he was. It was Arturo, you know, one of our old beat up mm-hmm. American cars. Picked him up, took him around for a couple of days, and then uh, Eric Carey, the gr- group he was in, was going to play, and, and he, Dizzy was going to go up on stage and do something with him. He didn't know he, that he was a trumpet player. He had no idea that Arturo was, you know. And all of a sudden, I understand the, the story was he was on the stage, he heard this thing behind him, and he turned around, the driver plays <laughs> trumpet, here we go again. Yeah, you know? right, right. He had no idea because he never said anything about it. Right. <laughs> yeah, Dizzy yeah. Gillespie. Yeah, and, and I met him because we, and one of the Grammy shows, our section, we have a picture with Dizzy. He was got a Lifetime Achievement Award mm-hmm. at the Grammys that we were at the Shrine Auditorium. And it's Warren Looney, gone, Oscar Brashear, and me are the only ones left. It's Johnny Dino, Oscar, myself, and Dizzy in the picture. Mm-hmm. You know? It was great. We had a, you know, one time we, we had a great thing with, uh, with Dizzy and... Quincy Jones, and great picture. I just happened to be in the room, you know, mm-hmm. but I wasn't the heavy like these other guys were, right. you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, and Johnny, I remember Shanita O'Connor, remember the time when she was on oh, there and right. said something about the Pope or right. something? Right, right. Me and Johnny were sitting backstage and next to her on the couch. She had his head was shaved with yeah. some kind of design. Right. Bizarre. And that's when we got that picture with Q, you know, with mm-hmm. Quincy. And, uh, yeah, it, it, that was... That was fun. I, I look mm-hmm. a lot of memories. And I, when I hear something, especially, you know, it, I immediately identify. I don't identify with, that's the music. I identify with that date. Oh, no kidding. who was there and what happened. And there right. was some hilarious things that happened on dates. And I right. recall that always <laughs> brings a chuckle because you remember who was, what, what happened on the date mm-hmm. and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, it, often it was not about the music, mm-hmm. anything about the music. Sure. It was more like we were there, we were hanging, and, you know, we got through it together and, like, it's teamwork. <laughs> we we pass the parts uh, like we should. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to get along with everybody. You have to realize that someone has their fortes and you have yours, and plug them in when they're when it's mm-hmm. time to get it done and get everyone out of there. Don't mm-hmm. screw around just because you're on the first chair and things. I have no problem with you know I'm getting the first money, passing the part to someone that can get it done right right away. Yeah, I don't want to struggle on it and try to come up with it. You know, yeah. but sometimes you're the only one in there and you have to do it. Did you ever do the Grammys and Oscars? Oh, you yeah. did. You played those in sure, quite sure. a bit, right? A lot, yeah. A lot of times. And and that's the thing about Johnny, Johnny Adino. I sat right next to him. And I mean, we're talking about going out to billions of people. And he would, he, F's and G's and stuff like that. He, was, he just had all the balls in the world, you know. Bow, you know right up. And that's, I was always so impressed with that sitting next to him. And you, he was so solid that you knew, you always knew where you were. And, right. man, he was there, you know. 
Yeah, and I remember Chuck Finley called me in the morning one time. Sean's dead, and he and Celie were crying, and mm. I mean, he'll be crying. We we loved him, and he had they found him over laying on his trumpet. He'd been practicing after the night show was taped. It's probably about seven thirty eight at night. Mm-hmm. Came back, was practicing, smoking the cigars, and there were cigars in them, and uh, found him dead in the morning. Walt Johnson, who's an incredible I know player, yeah. Uh, had a gig and he a regular thing he was show he was doing with John and uh, he lived near him a couple streets and it's almost near the Disney Studios in mm-hmm. Burbank, the little cul-de-sac he lived on, beautiful house and everything. So um, he went over. And he says hey, something's wrong. Johnny's always here an hour early. There's something wrong. He went back and knocked and knocked and knocked. He saw the car. Mm. He went around, climbed the fence, went around the sliding windows in the back, and they saw him through the window land land out. Uh, really bad. That was a bad morning. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, he was a lovable guy. You know, he was the little uh, bad boy. You know, he was always out doing some prank or something. <laughs> and he used to call me when John Toomey would be on the show, the guy that... The guy that did the, He played... He yeah. had arrangements yeah. of Stars and Stripes Forever and everything. The band... Oh, that he started, could do with his oh, hands? Oh, yeah. He, appeared, he was an insurance <laughs> claims adjuster, John Toomey. He knew I liked this guy, so... And also when... Uh, Another guy that died actually uh, was the first oboe in the Philharmonic, but he played the saw. And he, <laughs> did you ever see that on the Tonight Show where he came out and played the? I didn't saw know that was and, him, though. Oh, yeah, I, I'd David seen Weiss, that. Sure. David Weiss, and he was a great musician. I was even at West Point band with him. Mm-hmm. But then he was a surfer, you know. And uh, the guy was only like, I guess he was sixty-five or something like. He was teaching someone to surf out in Santa Monica. And he he came in, had a heart attack, dropped dead wow. on the spot. He was a big part of the Young Musicians Foundation, too. Mm-hmm. He's established scholarships and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Great guy. But, um, yeah, it's, they all, it's a big parade. They're almost all gone now, but just mm-hmm. the characters and the people. Mm-hmm. I know, and Yuan Racy especially, you know, you got to say Yuan. Other interviews that I've heard, and they all mention Yuan, yeah. it's, it's nothing but affection and yeah. respect. Oh, absolutely. He was such a dear man, you know. I don't know if you know much about him, but. Only through the uh, interviews. He was yeah. spiritual, very, very spirit. The most spiritual person I ever met, and uh, you know, he had polio when he was nine. I think he was from Glasgow, Montana, this little town up there, where his mother and his sister and he were the, on the radio station. They mm-hmm. were the band, mm-hmm. and so actually, I know for a fact when the first time he heard a recording of Carnival Venice, it was running at the wrong speed, so he did all the variations in six sharps. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it was the first thing. He had the ears, no question about it. You know. Wow. But you know, and, as if it's not hard enough. And he, so he was in a wheelchair. You know, yeah. and actually for a while he couldn't move. He was, you know, he was laying bedridden. And he told me he had the experience of going out of his body. The doctors were working on him, and he he saw the things from the from the ceiling, and he remembers there were voices that said, "Go back." I mean, he was he always talked about mm. he believed in USOs and and alien beings and. And we even went to Arizona together, and we thought we were, he was actually trying to get us abducted. We're going up in the area fifty-one and all uh, one of these big searchlights, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> and he actually with Charlie Davis they went out looking for UFOs too. I mean, but he really believed in it, you know. And um, um, but you want, you know, I just we went to Arizona together in my pickup truck and had the most wonderful time hanging out. We did tailgate parties. We'd go up to Sedona. We were in Sedona, where the you know forty four thousand feet with red rock mesas. And we're sitting on the back of my pickup truck playing duets, you know, <laughs> and it was wonderful. Just, but a, a whole week with him, just me and him, I should have been paying him by the hour. Psychologist, psychiatrist. Okay. I, mean, I was so cleaned out, you know, uh, felt so good about myself by the time I was. He's like that. That's the way he is. He's, he's the, uh, the cheerleader to the world, mm-hmm. you know. 
a great musician, you know, and uh, uh, I think, you know, well, the funny thing is Arturo's lesson, I, I don't know if, know if he'd remind, he probably wouldn't mind me saying it, but Arturo called me when he came to town, he was staying at the Holiday Inn, Malcolm, let's go play trios with uh, with Yuan. Oh, okay, so, good, I go pick him up at the Holiday Inn. We go over there and uh, we get, we're on our way, and um, he said, let's stop and get a cake at this bakery, it was by Ventura in, in Laurel Canyon, we're going up to Yuan's house, we better get him something, you know, bring it, so we stop. And it was Wayne Shorter was in the bakery ordering <laughs> when we got in there. Arturo, we were looking at him, he says, he's Wayne Shorter. And I said, yeah, I know. And the, the girl, she says, that's Wayne Shorter? I'm a big jazz fan. That's Wayne. Oh, I said, do you know this guy? Arturo Sandoval. Duh, you know. Right. <laughs> so we went, right. up to, went up to the house, and and, uh, and there's this room where he teaches, you know. And so we all went in there with our horns. And then I dawned on me, it's his lesson. It's not a trio. He didn't want to tell me he was taking a lesson. I don't know why, but... So I was an observer. I just sat on the end and listened to it. Mm-hmm. So you went right away, like an A2, maybe a Charlier, one of the French books or something like that. Let's play, let's play that. So Clint stops him after the first line. You know that E in bar four? Yeah. Beautiful note. Can you make them all that good? <laughs> Arturo goes, looks at me. The take he did was unbelievable. Uh, he said, wow, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. So, and then you get to the Clark book, and it's, uh, come on now, you've gone this far, come on, push it further, mm-hmm. get up to the double C's, you know, so he's doing it up there. Now, the one page and one breath, whole page, he says, oh yeah, I can do it. So now, repeat this line, repeat this line, repeat this line. He made it much longer, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And here I'm sitting next to him. Feel coming up from his shoes. He got through it. And he goes, man, no one ever asked me to do that before. Mm-hmm. He said, could I marry you? <laughs> <laughs> and they became very good friends. And yeah, there was a second yeah. lesson. I was there too. Mm-hmm. And he loved Yuan, and they mm-hmm. loved each other. It was, it was really great. Mm-hmm. No, everyone loved Yuan. And when Yuan died, there was this obituary, and I was just looking through things and different websites and picture of me there, and there was comments. And I started reading these comments. This guy says, I remember this man. I only met him one day. I didn't know who he was. I didn't even know he played the trumpet. But I was working in the lumberyard with a loader. You know, I was loading the lumber from one place to the other. And I'm looking at the rearview mirror, and I almost this guy's in a wheelchair sitting there giving me applause. He says, are you okay? I almost ran over you. I didn't see you. Mm-hmm. He said, are you okay? He says, bravo. That's the way you handled that thing. Wonderful job you did on that. He said, no one ever gave me an ovation for Man, my work. That's awesome. It's in the, it's in the, on the computer, I said, and yeah. he says, I met this guy only one day, and I'll never forget him. He touched people that way. Wow. He was so kind and everything, and mm-hmm. people would, ne- would always remember meeting this guy, even mm-hmm. if it was just once. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of mm-hmm. man he was. And the best story is in... Um, Leonard Malton has a, has a magazine about the movies. He did the only uh, interview where Yuan really opened up and uh, with everything and told us a lot more about himself. He didn't mm-hmm. have an ego at all, and he mm-hmm. didn't want to talk about things too much. You know, he did all the MGM musicals. You know, mm-hmm. Meet Me in St. Louis and all those. Yeah. There's a lot in there, but um, FDR was coming through the train stops through through uh, Montana. Mm-hmm. And he was going to stop in their town, and you know, he's going to speak off the caboose in the back, and mm-hmm. that's sort of in the every, whole town's out there. You on? The president's got polio. You've got polio. We want to put you right up front, you know, and 
with a wheelchair and, mm-hmm. and but clean your horn up really nice you know and, <laughs> and make sure you do a good impression and it's real clean for the president so the time came and he was giving the speech and and Yuan was up there well he cleaned the horn but he didn't take all the water out of it yeah so it was time okay now play for the president and Yuan, and then all this water came around he says it was awful and FDR laughed his ass off <laughs> <laughs> Yuan, he was he was ah. such a and you know he was on well he was uh, I think he was MGM nineteen forty six that's when he started and Mendez had been there thirty nine through forty nine mm-hmm. and then he was fired he was there ten years and he was fired because of style and sound or whatever but you know it, it's a, one of those cases where you know if that hadn't happened we wouldn't have had a lot of more out of him all the concerts all the recordings right. because he right. been stuck in the studios but yeah. Ronnie Rom told me he uh, was runner-up twice to the L.A. Phil. That's right. And I said, the At trumpet world age, is so really. grateful that you didn't win the, that job. Yeah. Or we wouldn't have had Canadian brass. That's he true. wouldn't have met Fred that, Mills. He wouldn't have had, no, you know. He was the youngest guy that ever started working, you know, extra yeah. with the Philharmonic. Yeah. 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 You know, Ronnie was very advanced because, I mean, his, his family was a band. Mm-hmm. They played casuals all the time. The his Romantics. Sister, yes. Uh, and his father, I, someone played bass or something, I don't know. But they, they did casuals, like, all the time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we knew each other. We had the Los Angeles Brass Society that, you know, it was Don Green um, and uh, him. And there was so so many of the younger guys coming up, whatever. Maybe Chuck Brady was there for a while. Mm-hmm. Tom Stevens, you know. It was a big brass group. We played in church and we recorded in the church mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. So I go back with those guys a long ways, you know. Mm-hmm. And I still think about them. It's like that's you have your memories. You you just go from one to the other, thinking about people you know that we lost. You know, and I'm yeah. doing that all the time. Yeah. Well, you know, it happens. Of, I mean, it's a fact of life. Of we get older, and you know, and it's tough, and you hate to see. And and he's not gone yet, but you know, everybody's looking and rooting for Ryan Anthony right Ryan. now. You yeah, know, exactly. and uh, and far too young uh, to to be battling this. And, uh, of course, like we were saying earlier, you know, the community is rooting for each other on this. Absolutely. And, uh, we, close, we close ranks. We, you know, absolutely. Yeah. And we have to help our colleagues. And yeah. We have to share and be really nice to each yeah. other. Really. Yeah. But, I feel uh, like you've been really nice to me today. Did to, to, oh, to share. To be a nice guy. You're well, not going to hear that out of everybody, though. I don't think, well, especially my wife. I, well, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I should interview her next and see what she's. That would be that would hurt me a lot. I think. Okay. <laughs> well, I won't. I won't do that. Malcolm, thank you so much. Not oh, just I'm... not just for the time today and the stories, but mm-hmm. again for your career, which is not over. And uh, I don't want it to be. I yeah. Not. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to maybe see these projects that you're talking about. Hope yeah. they come to fruition. And uh, so again, thank you. And uh, well, it was a pleasure you. to meet thank you and you talk so to you today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm pleased to do it. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues, and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you, too, can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com studiohfl. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.